BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work friends, family, expect you to be on 24-7, well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Yo, this is Flip Gordon. You're listening to the Top Rope Nation podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. After a wild week of professional wrestling, I'd say a good week of pro wrestling, Kyle. This is Top Rope Nation, episode 71, coming off a very good edition of WWE SummerSlam on Sunday night, and two pretty good nights of television with Raw and SmackDown. I'm Ryan Drosty here to break down all the action, all the news with you this week. Uh, We've got a lot of topics to discuss in a brief broadcast tonight. The internet is up in arms over Becky Lynch. We're going to get to that right off the bat. Um, like I said, I'm joined here by Kyle Ross, Justin Joint, at a out-of-town bachelor party. So I hope Justin, fun. hope Justin is staying safe this weekend. He'll be back next week. So uh, it's just me and Kyle. So, Kyle, what's going on out there in Cleveland tonight? Oh, not much. Just uh, got the house to myself, ready to talk some pro graphs, and I got some takes, baby. I'm bringing the downloads tonight. I have, I shared with you just a portion of the notes I have taken for this here podcast, and uh, I'm ready to rock and roll, man. Oh, yeah. I got, yeah, I got a lot to say about a lot of things. For those of you who are watching this broadcast live, by the way, we are currently live on Patreon for our patrons only on YouTube. Uh, this is an exclusive video cast. Right as we went on the air, Kyle had a little fight with his dog. In the room, we're getting ready to start the broadcast, and there was quite the incident. So uh, that was just for our Patreon supporters. That'll be edited out of the audio broadcast. So if you're listening to this on iTunes, by the way, subscribe, leave us a rating. If you're listening on Stitcher, TopRopeNation.com, you missed out on that. But if you want to join us every single week, you can get the live video cast uh, over at Patreon.com/TopRopeNation. Support the show, help us keep this thing growing, and you get the show. A day before everyone else. And like I said, that exclusive video broadcast, it is only for patrons. Um, we do stream once a month our pay-per-view shows, and that goes out to the whole general public. But if you want to watch us live every single week, patreon.com slash top nation. Appreciate your support. I'm sorry, man. I got to take the – If also, if you're watching uh, on the video, I can't keep up with these glasses, man. <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> I was wearing the old uh, Eddie Gilbert sunglasses he used to break out back in the early days of Top Rope Nation. Yeah. One of the pairs. The American flag sunglasses were probably my favorite, Kyle. Rest in peace to those. Yeah, you know, they... Was I with you when they broke? It was on WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, I you were not with me, but you told me about it. I remember you telling me about it. Okay, well, I got a new pair, actually. My in-laws actually got me a new pair, which are even more obnoxious. <laughs> got to break those out soon. All right, maybe uh, maybe next time we meet meet up for a Mania weekend, you can wear those all weekend long. My God, 
I'd appreciate it. Uh, so Becky Lynch. saying I'm ugly? No. Oh, okay. I, it, it's it's going to draw attention to us, man. And when All we right. get the fans over there, we can tell them about the podcast. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> Just making sure. <laughs> Got to play the game. Got to promote. Promoters. <laughs> it's all are... about the game and how you play it, baby. That's right. So the game, speaking of the game and how you play it, this Becky Lynch heel turn. So we talked about it on our post show Sunday night after SummerSlam. Uh, some pe- like I mentioned on the show, some people I was talking with the time at the time were not sure that it was actually a heel turn, but they made it. <laughs> Those poor souls. Remember? <laughs> Imagine thinking. Or imagine not agreeing with me and Ryan Drosty. That's on the right. Show. I mean, we were, I mean, did you listen to the commentary, folks? They made it pretty freaking clear who the heel was going to be. Yeah, it was, it was obvious. And they really hammered it home on Tuesday night. Um, Becky trying to get the heat from the crowd, but she got massively cheered once again, as expected. And so this has been quite the topic in the world of wrestling with Becky Lynch because her career has really been invigorated here in the last couple of months. I mean, she's been getting great reactions from the crowd, probably one of the most over baby faces in the women's division, right up there with Ronda Rousey. And I wouldn't not- put her right up there. I, I think she, she's a step below, but no. Oh yeah, for sure. But I mean, as far as like one of the most over mm-hmm. Ronda, she's right there. So I think she's one of the best. Ba- I think she's been one of the best baby faces in the company for the last couple of years in terms oh, yeah. of just, you know, what we think of as a traditional baby face. Well, she has a legion of dedicated fans that have wanted to see her push for a long, long time. She's finally getting that push, but that's where the argument comes in because she's getting pushed, but not the way they'd like to see her be pushed. And they're going to rebel against this. And so we talked about it um, and how this is going to turn out with the Charlotte Flair feud, which, by the way, I got to point this out. Um, I was listening to our Uncle Dave Meltzer on Observer Radio uh, earlier today. And (laughs) I just thought that would be a good nickname for Dave since we've been talking about him a lot in recent weeks. Dave was talking about how, you know, if they go through with this feud like this, Charlotte Flair is going to become Roman Reigns. And all I could think of is three weeks ago on Top Rope Nation, ladies and gentlemen, our episode was titled Charlotte Flair is Roman Reigns. So we're once again, Kyle ahead of the curve yeah and to be fair i you know it was something that i had seen on twitter i didn't invent that um you know there are people ahead of the curve of even us on that subject but you're not supposed to tell them that oh sorry um (laughs) yeah it's it's pretty clear you know i'm not going to talk about becky much at all here in my opening rant i'm going to talk more about charlotte because i think she's the key here and like we've been saying for the last three weeks and has been made abundantly clear over the last week or so. She is now the official is officially the Roman Reigns in the women's division. Um, she's the chosen star. She's got the look and the lineage. And it doesn't matter if the crowd chooses to cheer Becky, relates more to Becky, or cheers or relates more to anyone else for that matter. WWE is gonna be willing to fight the Brian Alvarez's of the world, the quote unquote hardcores. Um, because they did with Roman and yeah, I could be proven wrong. Maybe they, you know, I hate the phrase, read the tea leaves, but maybe they do get cold feet on this whole thing and they don't go, but Charlotte Flair is going to be positioned as the baby face star of the woman's division, whether you like it or not. And not, I don't mean you Ryan Drosty. I mean, you, the listeners, you, the fans of the WWE and I want to take this back a few months because th- when I was thinking about this a couple days ago, this hit me. You know when this was decided? It actually wasn't in the last week. It goes back to WrestleMania when she beat Asuka. You know, we were all kind of like, oh, that was curious because she beat Asuka in the cleanest manner possible where it left no intrigue for a rematch and it clearly told the audience Charlotte Flair is the alpha female of this vision, not Asuka. And I think it was Money in the Bank that, yeah, we had Bill Matz on, right, for that one. And it was, it was the four of us with Justin. Uh, it was Extreme Rules. No, I think it was Money in the Bank. Because that was a good know, one. I only know it was, are you talking about the post show we did? Yes. Yeah, it was Extreme Rules because I was in that temporary house for Money in the Bank. Okay. Okay. Yeah. My apologies. Um, regardless, but we talked about, you were the one who posed the question, what had done more damn feud or loss had done more damage to the Asuka character. Was it Charlotte at Mania 
or these series of Carmella losses, like which were like, you know, kind of like banana peel losses for lack of a better term. And I think the other two both were kind of thought we were crazy when we said the Charlotte lost it. And I'm here to tell you right now on Thursday, August 23rd, that you and I were completely correct. The if you Oscar, look at Oscar, you mean the Oscar loss? Uh, yeah, when Oscar lost to Charlotte. Okay, yeah. Yep. Asuka has no chance now because that was WWE in retrospect clearly stating Charlotte is head and shoulders above Asuka in this division. Oh, yeah. I apologize if that didn't come out right. So I, I that's where we say, like, you don't have to like it, and certainly a lot of people don't, but you need to understand it that Charlotte is the star of the division. And, and here's like the sobering thing that P- Becky Lynch fans need to realize. It actually doesn't matter who's the face and who's the heel in this feud. You know why? Because either way, Charlotte Flair's coming out on top because she's the star. Fine. If Becky's the baby face and Charlotte's the heel, okay. Let, let's say you get what you want, Joe Blow wrestling fan. At the end of that feud, Charlotte Flair's the SmackDown Women's Champion. That's true. This is actually an interesting debate because I think if you sit back and look at it, with the Roman Reigns situation and then this one that involves two people, you got to think, is there any collateral damage? And so like with Roman Reigns, they continue to push Roman Reigns because A, he sells a lot of merchandise. B, gets big reactions at every live event, arguably the biggest live reactions of anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but like continuing to push Roman Reigns, you know, he was feuding with multiple people. Did that actually hurt anybody? I don't know. Maybe there's a few people you can make the argument for, but uh, with this feud, we're talking about two people involved. And so the question I would have for you, Kyle, is if they book it this way and Charlotte now, like as you, as you said, does become the Roman Reigns type figure of the women's division, does that like handicap Charlotte too much moving forward? Like is she in a, in a way damaged? Because Charlotte gets big reactions too, but not like Reigns. Uh, I doubt she sells the merchandise that rain sells anywhere close to that so is there the justification of like ruining her potential as a baby face if the fans turn on her i don't think they care i think they just view her as the star yeah it's not like people like oh baby face heel that they're they're so hung up on this it's they're smart people in that room Contrary to the the writer's room, contrary to what you may think. They're, they're, it's smart people are, are running the show in that room, okay? And they, they, they have to understand now what the deal is, just like they understood with Roman. And like I said before, they're willing to fight because, I mean, if you look at it, Charlotte, she like I said, she's got the look. She's Ric Flair's daughter. Um, they send They put her on all the shows. I remember... I think this might have been over a year ago. Linda and Stephanie were at some like Republican big wig dinner or something. Obviously, it was, you know, Linda's career uh, affiliated. And you know who was with them? Charlotte. If that doesn't tell you right there, like what they think of Charlotte Flair, I mean, I don't know what else to say. Now, as far as comparing Charlotte to Roman Reigns, I I actually do think Charlotte. If you compare the two in that role, if, you, if you're just going to look, look, hey, whether you love them or you hate them, it doesn't matter. They're the star of their respective divisions. If, if Because to me, moving forward, I'm evaluating Charlotte solely on the Roman Reigns scale. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, that, yeah. that's the way to do it. And she does, I think, have some shortcomings. And to check this, I actually went back and I just watched a match that Roman had at SummerSlam 2014 against Randy Orton. It may be the only big singles match of Roman's career where you didn't get the, it was, it was weird watching it. You didn't get the huge wave of booze when da 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 hit. He, the shield had just split. It was a match designed to kind of, you know, get him towards the top of the card. And I, I think it worked pretty well. And if you look at Roman, the first half of 2014, over in the Rumble, the one that Batista won, People loved the shield. The Orton match was good and did what it was designed to do. It was really, and we, you know, I've said this 72,000 times. Let's make it 72,001. It was the Daniel Bryan comeback that happened at the same time. They wanted to just push him right on through 
as the top babyface. That screwed Roman Reigns and to this day haunts him. Mm-hmm. I, I firmly believe had they just pushed Daniel, you know, if they had done Brian Lesnar at WrestleMania 31 and done the same damn thing with Seth Rollins, I don't think we have these issues with Roman Reigns. Yeah, but that's I a agree. different story. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if Charlotte has had that kind of has been on that same trajectory to this to your point from earlier to justify this like Roman. I, I don't know that. You know, I mean, I've I've defended Roman. I think Roman has good matches. Like you said, he always gets the biggest reactions. So it's up to Charlotte now. She's got to get the biggest reactions of anyone in the women's division. She's got to have good good matches. Is she capable? Maybe. But mm-hmm. if there's one thing that's clear, it's that Becky Lynch I will, is Charlotte's Daniel Bryan in the sense that, and I think you were kind of hitting on this at the beginning of the conversation. The crowd was very much into the idea of Becky after not being pushed for a long time, getting this one-on-one shot with Carmella. And I will say this, it did come across as pretty tone deaf from WWE to sort of shoehorn Charlotte into that situation. And right, wrong, or otherwise, the crowd saw that as, hey, you're taking away something we want, which is Becky Lynch getting a one-on-one title opportunity. And that is where this vitriol has come from. Because the vitriol is pretty new. You know, I mean, Charlotte, this was, you know, we've been saying this for a couple weeks. But, you know, Charlotte, there really hadn't been a backlash against her up until recently. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, that said, I think her issue is the same that plagues Roman Reigns. It's the question of relatability. Compared to her peers, especially Becky, Charlotte's not that relatable. I mean, you know, Roman comes out, you know, looking like some like Adonis with Michael Cole yelling, the big dog is here, you know? And Charlotte, same thing. The queen is here. You know, they both come out kind of like their shit don't stink sometimes. And it's not really relatable. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't always have to. I mean, Braun Strowman isn't relatable. It's just that's a case, though. He's so freakishly strong that people are into him. Yeah. So it's not like relatability is the only factor in being an over babyface. But I, I do think that both Reigns and Charlotte have a relatability issue. Oh yeah, I actually agree with a lot of what you're saying. I'm gonna well, play. I'm gonna I'm gonna play a contrarian on a few things though because this is oh, a good I love discussion. It. All right, so. Number one, I agree. Some very smart people in that WWE writing room. Hopefully some of them are listening right now. Um, But when it comes down to it, right, it all goes through Vince McMahon. And either Vince or a majority of the writers actually believed that a Becky Lynch heel turn would work, right? Did they? Or like, were? I wonder, it would be perplexing to me. If someone didn't raise their hand and say, hey, guys, the way we're booking this, Becky Lynch is going to get a face pop for this heel turn. Yeah, especially in New York. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's one aspect. OK, another thing I thought of while you were talking, making some really good points there is that with Roman, as far as like the face heel dynamic, we talked a lot about on the show, like with Roman, it really doesn't matter at this point if he's a face or heel. You know, he's he's almost in that John Cena moment now where he gets big reactions. That's all that matters. Sells a lot of merch. He's the main guy in this situation. And and people do. And I, I know people that listen to podcasts, people that, you know, think they know everything about wrestling. Um, maybe don't get this. There are people that like Roman Reigns. Oh, yes. You know, <laughs> Go like, to a live show and you will like, see like, like kids and women like Roman Reigns. It, it's oh, yeah. a it's the non podcast listening crowd that likes Roman Reigns. It doesn't yeah. and for the record. They're not any better or worse of fans than you are. You no. know, Joe podcast listener. Exactly. And when it comes Let's down to it, to wrestling's about great person. <laughs> when it comes down to it, you know, wrestling is about making money. And this guy makes the company a lot of money. So that's why he's pushed like he is. Um but the, the thing I was going to bring up on the creative end here is that with Roman, the big thing's always been, should they make him a heel and see what happens? And there's definitely a good argument that they should do that, especially at different times over the last couple of years. Um, but that's all hypothetical, right? Like, will he just get cheered then? You know, we've talked about that. With Charlotte, we know at, for a fact from her past that she is a far, far better heel. I would agree with that. Right, so that that's the one thing to me that's kind of like hanging out there is where is Roman? You when they started pushing Roman mm-hmm. in fourteen as a single, you're right that that's another difference. But too, 
I don't think anyone in 2014 was saying, oh, Roman Reigns is a way better heel. Right. Yeah, that's, you know, and even if he ever turned, it's hypothetical, really. And with Charlotte, we know, like, she excels as a heel. Becky, great baby face. Then you got both, you know, both of them there doing what they do best. Whereas here, it's still going to work out if they stay the course here. And honestly, television next week, I think, is going to be really interesting because they, they could still pivot on this. But... You know, obviously, and, and next by the week, way, Becky could do very well, do a good job as a heel. Yeah, I thought I thought she's done a good job mm-hmm. as far as, you know, her mannerisms and everything and mm-hmm. facial reactions, obviously. But they could still change course. But if, if if they come out next week and Becky's still the heel, then clearly that's they're going to stay the course and it'll still work. I think you're right. Like it in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to matter that much, probably. But I guess I just think creatively there's the argument that. If Becky's the face, Charlotte's the heel, which we know they both excel in those roles, perhaps it could take it up a notch. I mean, overall, it's still gonna be it's still gonna be a great feud. Their segment on Tuesday night was really good. So Okay. Know. Let's talk history. Okay. I'm a big believer. Um I felt this way about Roman until I don't know, we just there became a point of no return and you just really couldn't do it anymore. Um that if you really, really want to push a baby face and you're really getting some brushback from the fan base that it's a prudent move to turn them heel in the short term, let the crowd get it, the booing out of their system. And then you can always turn them back, you know, kind of just like let the crowd then see that they're good. And then you just turn them back baby face for good. Mm -hmm. Um, Exhibit A of that is The Rock. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, he was brought in in late 1996 and absolutely 172% stuck as the blue chipper babyface. They did not give up on him, to their credit. They turned him heel. He created the rock persona. And as a result of that, when he turned back babyface in 1999, was far more over as a babyface than he ever would have been had they just kept him as the blue chipper. Right. So that, he, wasn't, he wasn't a very good talker. He went heel, became excellent on the microphone, and then he became more comfortable, found himself. Yep. Now, to be fair, I don't know if a heel turn would have changed the Roman Reigns character that much or even the Charlotte character that much, if it would, if they had her as a heel. Uh, but let's take a look at, you know, that's just the rock. That's just one example. And that's, you know, during a period where the core audience certainly had a lot of say in the product that, you know, the attitude era. But let's look at the history of this promotion overall, not just one era. I wrote something in the notes, and I thought of this. I was telling you this off air. The omnipotent babyface, okay? And really, that's what they're doing with Charlotte and Roman. When people are like, how can they do this? I don't understand this. How do, how do they think that people will like these people? Well, have you, have you watched the history? Of the WWF, WWE. Because this goes certainly back to Hogan and maybe even Bruno. The WWE has always kind of been built on the idea of having this top babyface star who is always quote-unquote right. Regardless if a portion of the audience thinks they're right or not. Bruno, Hogan, Brett, Austin, Rock. There was a tweet to Meltzer that got me thinking about this. Somebody's like, you know, I miss... Because they were obviously dirty diapers over the Becky, the way the Becky heel turn played out. And the guy's like, Dave, I just miss the way heel turns used to be when they got heel reactions. And, you know, I think that's a common sentiment from a lot of people. And Dave, Uncle Dave, had a great response. He's like, you know, I think you'd be surprised a lot of these classic heel turns that you remember how they'd be received by today's audience. And Dave is absolutely right. So, you know, I'm a little older than you, but you you know all the classic Hogan angles, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. If you go back like objectively or with like 2018 eyes, Hulk Hogan, the character was a complete fucking asshole. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, tell me I'm wrong here. The Paul Orndorff turn, the Randy Savage turn would be wildly cheered by a 2018 audience. Oh, spe- especially I mean, the, the jealous the, eyes the promo. If you put, the, if you, if you did, if you take Randy Savage doing the jealous eyes promo and put it in front of today's audience, I, I, I don't, I can't think of anything outside of like the, the Minneapolis sports bars 
when the Vikings beat the Saints in the playoffs that would get a bigger and louder reaction. <laughs> That's I true, mean, man. You... Especially especially Randy Savage. I've I've went back and looked at that feud. I'm like, other than the the physicality that Randy had with Liz, obviously, but as as the feud played out. Hogan was the creepy friend, and he's totally the heel. And that's yes. Like, how many people in today's audience would relate to Randy Savage? Oh yeah, especially yeah. because like you know, Savage is supposed to be the. Ch- and remember, what do people talk look for t- today? Savage was the better worker. He was the champion. It was his time. And here's Hogan aping all of his, you know, time at the. You know, he's posing with them and stuff. Um, here's a feud near and dear to your heart: Owen Hart, Bret Hart. The Owen Hart heel turn, Royal Rumble '94. What kind of reaction does that get in 2018? They 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 would just cheer it because of the shock factor. I think. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Larry, going back even further, I'll go old school. I think Larry Zbysko when he turns on Bruno, that gets cheered today. A lot of it is just a lot of the heel turns too. When you look at them like logically, like if this was real life, especially Owen Brett. So like Owen beats Brett at Mania 10. Brett wins the title. He comes out pissed, right? Like, well, obviously he's pissed. He beat the guy. He has a point. Right, <laughs> that's, what, that's the what champion. Like today, like, but I think we did... watched this as, as kids at the time, and if you if we were watching as adults, we would have had different reactions. Ah, uh, you know, I don't know. Like, you could kind of see those things. Like, you know, I mean, I just listened. You know, between the sheets is one of my favorite podcasts, and they just like played the the Hogan narration of the Orndorff feud. And like, I remember, like I was, that was like one of the first feuds when I started watching wrestling. Mm-hmm. So like, obviously, yeah, with that, like, I didn't know, like, I just came in all oh, Hulk Hogan's the greatest, but like, it was like a couple of years later, I was still a kid. I'm like, you know, Hulk Hogan was kind of a dick. He left Paul Orndorff high and dry, man. The phone call. Why did he pick up the phone? And the thing was, if you watch that episode of championship wrestling, where Orndorff turns on him, there are people in the crowd cheering very clearly, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a small portion. The issue is there's the people more inclined to relate with the Paul Orndorffs, the Randy Savages, the Owen Hart's, the Larry Zabiscos. They make up a larger percentage of today's audience than they did, you know, in 1989. Mm-hmm. That That's the key because the audience, I'll say they're a little smarter. I mean, you don't always get the best analysis, but, you know, I think they can see through the booking. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the thing. But the WWE has always kind of been built up, like when people – you know, Brian Albert says only the WWE would think Charlotte would get cheered in this. Well, look at how they've been booked, how they've booked their top stars all the time. Hogan, it didn't matter if Hogan was, if you, you know, Joe Smart Mark thought he was wrong or out of line. Randy Savage turned on Hulk Hogan and he was wrong for doing that. And I think that's kind of, it's not apples to apples, but I think that's kind of just how they view their top stars. This is the top star. When someone wrongs them, they're that person is wrong. And I think they like, I was just reading Brian James was gotten to a Twitter spat with a group of people. I think Brian sat and among them uh, that he's like, he told some fan, no, you know, like Charlotte, you know, was in the exact same position. Becky was, and she won the title, and, and Becky was the one who got mad. He he told this fan or whatever that, you know, you're just mad because we're not telling the story you want to hear. And that wasn't a terrible point by Brian James. I thought that, like, you know, because the guy's like, Charlotte only had to win one match to get in that. Becky's been doing this for years. And I'm like, oh, my fucking Lord. This guy's a tool. Put me on the other side of this argument. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I just think that. WWE in their eyes, you know, like Hulk Hogan, like, I mean, he was wrong in the Randy Savage feud. Mm-hmm. He was wrong in the Paul Orndorff feud, but he's Hulk Hogan. And I think particularly Vince, he's like, this is my star. My star is always right. So in some ways, are you saying that they're still booking with like 80s mentality and a 2000s world? I don't know, because even if you look at the 90s, like Austin and Rock. Okay, the top, mm-hmm. you know, two of the top baby fists. They were kind of assholes in that period. Like if you watch that too, you know. Yeah. Um. It's just I think that it's it's not a decade until it's just the idea that this is our star, and you will, you know, the star's always right. And you know, Becky Lynch is just jealous. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, you, you could accuse it of being tone deaf, and it's a debatable point, by the way. You know, I, I talked about the big differences today. The issue is, you know, the people who can kind of see through some of this stuff make up a larger percentage of the audience. It is a debatable point whether WWE should cater to that crowd more or less. Um, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna raise that point because you mentioned the comment on Twitter about we're not telling the story that you want to see told. What do you think about the point that they should be telling the story that the audience is dictating based on their reactions? Okay, okay. The exhibit A for the WWE side is ECW, a promotion that exclusively catered to what the people want and went out of business. Because, what about what about because, Austin? I think. Steve Austin had a broad appeal, clearly. Like, okay, maybe some people are ahead of the curve. And it was also that babyface turn came at a time when WWE had no choice but to cater to its core audience because it didn't have anything else. You know, there was no casual audience. It had a core audience. Casual wrestling fans at that time, if they did exist, were watching WCW. So, you know, that was that, again, I talked about with The Rock, how he was handled. That was a very unique period in time where WWE did very much cater to the whims of its core audience. Um, I think they're thinking now, it's like, look, you know, I have buddies who like, they don't, you know, friend of the show, Brian, my buddy, Brian, um, he looks at Charlotte. He's like, oh, Charlotte's good. You know, I mean, he makes comments that aren't related to her moveset, but you know, if you know what I mean, he, he does not. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I don't think like, yeah, like people like us, people that are online, like think this way about Charlotte. But I think there's also a portion of people that maybe just don't and are just kind of willing to accept, hey, Charlotte's a star, mm-hmm. you know. Can you imagine that NWO storyline, like which is one of the great heel reactions of all time when Hogan turned? Can you imagine that in 2018? And with like we had Internet then there was there was obviously the Observer was around and the torch and everything, but wasn't as widespread as as it is today. Can you imagine if like we had the internet infrastructure with wrestling news we have today and you were hearing for months like, oh my God, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall are jumping ship. And then Hogan's character has been like so stagnant for two years. And then Hogan turns like that would have been completely cheered in 2018, I feel like. Versus back then when it got such a hor- like they were throwing garbage at him. It's one of the great heel reactions of all time. I think that would be completely 180. And that was, you know, that's a very interesting case study because the people that were booing, like what, you know, like Hogan always like in these documentaries, like, you know, Eric came up to me and had an idea. What if Hulk Hogan was a heel? I mean, Hulk, you know, this guy, you know, that's not the way it was. People forget. It was the hardcore audience of WCW that had been rejecting Hulk Hogan for two years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And they were then given like that was so unique. I feel that that almost doesn't exist today when they were very much given what they wanted, but they reacted accordingly. Like this was like a group of people that grew up on Dusty, Magnum TA, Four Horsemen, Road Warriors that did not want Hulk Hogan, resented the what WCW became in the first two years of Hogan. And was then in this incredible moment given the opportunity to unload on him, you know, after, you know, probably not liking him and what he represented before he came to WCW. And then obviously certainly not being with the program in 1994-95. Like that's a very unique term for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. You're right. It probably would just be cheered today. Um. But yeah, I mean, it, it was just so great back then because it was it was it was actually very different. The people who would cheer that, who would the the people who would cheer that today, were the ones that were throwing the trash. Oh yeah, right. I feel just kind of like today, anything with any shock value, because a lot of what happens in wrestling now is just so predictable that anytime anything surprises you just a little bit, or it seems like something, it just automatically gets cheered like a mass Meltzer made that point that like it's almost it's people don't cheer for baby faces and heels that they just they cheer when something happens (laughs) you know um it goes back to things like the comeback pop you know remember like when triple h came back Mm -hmm. and he like triple h had been the most dastardly heel in the promotion for three years he comes back and is cheered wildly why because he hadn't been seen in nine months Talking about uh, 
like January O two at the yeah. garden. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was very like, you know, like I remember like, you know, I, I got, you know, I was, but I was like, this is odd. <laughs> you know, I, I felt like I was the only one bringing that point up. Like I was like, well, this is odd. Like we, we, we all just, we, we just like AAA and granted they were doing things to make you like them. You know, they had like the YouTube video. I always remember that like, Christian had, Oh, I bet you triple H is in the back spinning YouTube records or whatever. <laughs> Didn't they always play beautiful yeah. day or something for uh, they had the, uh, I was just going to mention my wife's favorite band. I'm being sarcastic. She hates them. Uh, Creed with the, my sacrifice video. Remember oh, that? That's what it was. Oh boy, that's, yeah. that's not a good song. <laughs> but that, they bad. just showed his rehab constantly that year. Yeah, so and they were getting him over as a baby face, but it was so there was some manipulation there, but it was kind of odd that, like, um, you know, that whole thing, like, oh, here's he hadn't done anything storyline-wise to justify being a baby face, except yeah. just this emotional rehab. <laughs> just rehabbing his his just rehabbing while listening to you two and creed i mean from where i come from that don't make you a baby face i want to be a big time baby face brother tear your quad yeah so i don't know i i think at the end it's like you got to make peace with this charlotte becky to put a bow on it like you can try to understand it and evaluate it that way um you can just you know keep just doing what you're doing cheer Becky go against Charlotte I guess that's fine um but you know I mean if you're like gonna get real mad about it I mean maybe just and you really want change don't watch like that's the thing like these people who are like I'm gonna go to SummerSlam and I'm gonna sabotage this Roman Reigns match like there's some like they're cool you're not (laughs) doing anything if you want to actually change you just don't buy the ticket Speaking what? of insufferable fans, by the way, have you seen the thing? Our buddy Derek, that was just on the podcast after SummerSlam, sent this to me. There's a this group of people organizing, like bringing dozens of beach balls to All In. What a bunch of tools! Why would you do that? I thought All In was the wrestling that you wanted. Like I know I, they're bringing you, all these beach balls. Like there's a whole Twitter account about it. You know, we talk about how we struggle sometimes to evaluate WWE in this modern era and how there's just a lot of different rules. And I think you really kind of have to not reteach, but just, you know, kind of maybe come to grips and um, with what wrestling is in 2018. I, I, I struggle more evaluating these fans. And, and that's another exhibit why you don't chase these pops because these people, they just change at a whim. And 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 if and, and if you're turning people babyface and heel by the reaction of the present day, my God, are there going to be a lot of turns? Probably. That's another argument, probably in WWE's favor. They're like, you know, fuck it. People get cheered, people get booed, but God damn it, people, Charlotte Flair is going to be your star, and you're going to like it. <laughs> you know, a great example of that, and this is I wasn't planning on transitioning yet, but that is a perfect transition. Is what happened with the Shield on Monday night? Because when Reigns came out at the top of the show. He got the big boos as usual with some of some of the crowd cheering. And the crowd went crazy when Strowman came out to cash in at the end of the show after Roman wrestled uh, Finn Balor, of course. But then when you heard the shield theme come on and out comes Seth and Dean, what do you get? Massive pop, too. And everyone popped for the shield reunion to protect Roman from Braun, who they had just been cheering to cash in on Roman. But well, you add the other two to Roman, and now he's getting cheered. Yeah, that's real good. And I, I want to get to that. I want to go through a few other things at SmackDown first. But with Char- you know, I was very pleased to see this, and I'll, I'll ex- um, go into greater detail in a few minutes um, about the position how they that roman was put in it it was finally it was really a relief to see him put it in positions for him to succeed monday night so i think with charlotte i think the key is what wb needs to realize real quick because they've been through this with roman so it should help them is they gotta put charlotte in positions to succeed if if, if she's gonna be roman reigns they gotta put her in positions to succeed what is charlotte's shield Hmm. is it her dad um I, I thought about this a little bit. You know, Ric Flair, not maybe not relatable. People love Ric Flair. Okay. Um, by the way, if Jim Crockett Promotions was still running in 2018, we would not be having this discussion. Charlotte Flair would be an obvious choice to be the number one babyface in the company. Men or women, mm-hmm. by the way. I mean, overall, number one babyface. What I might consider doing, if they're going to go this way with Charlotte and Becky, and it sure looks like they are, do a heavy heat angle where Becky Lynch beats the absolute dog shit out of Ric Flair. 
in the Carolinas. <laughs> that would be pretty good. Yeah. You know, where, and it's like, and, and again, I'm fantasy booking alert, you know, send me 20 bucks, WWE, if you use it. <laughs> Haven't heard that in a while. We used yeah. to use that phrase on the show yeah. a lot. You know, Becky kicks his ass. I mean, like heavy heat just lays him out. He gets stretchered out. Looks like an old, like Ric Flair has never looked before. Like a just like an old, decrepit man. And Becky says, how ironic that the wheeling, dealing, kiss stealing guy got put to rest by a woman. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's what I would do. And, th- and then like, I-, I think people then could relate to Charlotte because everyone has fathers, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Char- Charlotte would become a sympathetic figure in that situation. That's just an idea I had. You, but, you don't have to do that, but you have you do have to um, make sure she's in situations to succeed, um, and that can be done. And and hopefully they've learned from their mistakes they made along the way with Roman. So you mean there shouldn't be a person that Charlotte loses to constantly for several years? No, 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 no. Charlotte <laughs> should not lose for a year and a half to Ronda Rousey before winning, beating her in a manner where Ronda's protected. And by the way. That's another argument for Charlotte being Ronda Rousey. What's the final destination that we all think? She's going to beat the big MMA star. She's oh, yeah. the one. Yeah. And so, and to be fair, if that's what they want to do, she should be a babyface when she does that. Yeah. Yeah, fair point. Yeah, I think I think Charlotte's shield groups probably on the other brand. It'd be uh, Sasha and Bailey, you know, the horsewoman. One thing that I didn't see, and it's funny, I brought, I thought, I I think I brought this up Sunday night on the post show. The thing that I like the least actually about this heel turn is not really what becomes Becky. It's that I don't think we're ever going to get like, you know, David brought this up in two, the observer two weeks ago that they were maybe planning horsewoman, horsewoman for survivor series. Mm. I don't know how you get back to that now. No, it's going to be pretty hard to get to in three months. I I mean, are they going to say you guys just have to team up? Like, you know, I mean, I guess that could be an excuse for them to that them to lose. If Becky's yeah. not a team player, but um, I just, ugh, you know, I, I really wanted to see it. Cause I just think that's a big time money match. Oh yeah. Um, you know, whereas Charlotte and Becky is something you could really do at any time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so what'd you think of that shield reunion on Monday night, Kyle? Clever. Um, okay. So now that Roman's the champion, He's going to hold the title for a long time. I think we all know this. And in, you run the... People are going to figure that out. And you run the risk of kind of Raw maybe not being that intriguing when people know a guy is going to be champion for a long time. They're not going to take, you know, contender of the month seriously. Mm-hmm. So the dynamic they have done here where you have... Um, Braun, who is ready to cash in at any moment... He's not a coward, remember? He'll just tell you he's going to wrestle you after you're done wrestling. Um, (laughs) But you have the shield, uh, you know, ready to kind of like always save Roman from the cash-in. Again, there's not a traditional baby face in this situation. It's just two over entities uh, you know, vying for the world title. And I think the whole thing with the specter of Braun cashing in anytime is going to make this run a lot more exciting than it would be otherwise. You know, you and I have both questioned, eh, does the Money in the Bank gimmick really fit Braun's character? It This works the way they're... And it's kind of unique. Yeah, because he has to overcome three people, which yes. makes it... Yeah, without the shield wrinkle, I still probably wouldn't like it. But I think the shield thing is kind of saved the Braun Money in the Bank uh, angle because yeah he has to he has to beat three guys he always have i think both sides are protected because roman yeah he, two people are coming to his aid all the time but he's going up against the monster right braun Strowman, and, and everyone the pops shield. for the shield people yeah. just like the shield people pop for the shields one of the great factions in wwe history uh, at the same time it protects braun because yeah he he's not cashing in and winning the title but he's also like getting jumped by three of the top guys in the company so he's you know he's not getting a fair shake so i i like the dynamic quite a bit i really like the reunion i thought it worked well and uh i think it keeps braun interesting and the the title picture interesting for that matter because really i just don't think the audience is going to buy anyone else unseating roman anytime soon um I, i really liked i mentioned this earlier 
the situations Roman was put into and how he was presented Monday night. Um, I had, had some texts with my buddy before the show even got started. A fan of the show, Chad. And uh, he was like, what do you think they're going to do with Roman tonight? I'm like, you know, I can see him coming out and uh, acting like this fighting champion. And he's going to bring up Finn Balor. <laughs> how Finn never got his... Sh- rematch for the universal title and lo and behold that's what they did my buddy texted me and he's like my god you were spot on like i can show you the text right now. i scroll through <laughs> but um that was smart and it was smart how you know corbin comes out and roman puts over finn what he did to him like this is what they should have been doing with roman all along whether you like roman Reigns, they made it very hard to boo roman reigns yeah on monday night agree. which is, is is what they needed to be doing um, you know, I mean, they, they, for too long, you've been putting him in positions where very easy for the crowd to boo him. Um, and, and it was good. And, and you know, it, it was everything that was right about Roman. He had a good match. He was with the shield. I mean, that's Roman. That That's the Roman Reigns that if you want him to be a big star that you need to see good matches hanging out with the shield. Mm-hmm. People are going to, are going to be less inclined to boo him. If that's, I mean, he'll always be booed by a portion of the audience, but, um, He's less likely that way. I think the interesting question is what they do for Hell in a Cell now. Um, there is an argument that they could do Roman and, and Strowman in a Cell match, but I feel because storyline-wise it would make sense. It keeps the shield out, but I feel it's too early to go to that because you're sort of like, the whole thing is you want to drag this out over a long period of time, and if you just go to that, in a couple weeks, then what are you doing the rest of the year on Raw if you've already kind of done? And, you know, you can't... I hate the idea of Braun challenging but still having the briefcase, like, as a backup. Yeah. You know, like, if you have the briefcase, you shouldn't be getting... They've done this before. I feel like I can't remember who it was. But, like, if you have the briefcase, you should not be getting an additional title shot. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking six-man, maybe? Like, Braun and friends? I don't know who... You know, I think Lashley sent out a kind of a kayfabe tweet... You know, like, you know, I got you or something. Like, it was something like that. Yeah. You know, I could see him on a team with Braun and somebody else against the Shield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, plus, I, th- I feel like AJ Joe is going to be a sell match. Yeah. that that Well, that's what I, I had up above in my notes. AJ and Joe, if yeah. you want to go back to SmackDown. It, it would seem logical that they get the sell. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other option I, I could think of was Roman Strowman. Although, last year, they did multiple sell matches. Yeah. I don't do, like that though. But they I do like multiple that. world title or universal, sorry, but you know, top two titles, both of them in the cell. I don't know. I don't know if they do that. It would be odd if they didn't do AJ and Joe. I mean, see, the, the, what's funny is, and, and this is, you know, everyone's talked about this since they made Hell in a Cell a pay per view where it ha- the match just happened. It, by God, it's September, and that means it's time for Hell in a Cell. Not a few, a certain moment in a few dictates. You bringing yeah. the hell in the cell gimmick, which is when that work, which to me is is a better idea. Um, Roman and Braun, the idea of building to that, where it's like, okay, it's come to this, and Braun, you know, he comes out and says, "I'm going to cash in my briefcase at this next pay per view, and it's going to be hell in a cell, so the Shield can't interfere." That's actually good storytelling, but like I said, I think it's you know you can't do that now because I don't know what you do then after. Right. And so I think the whole, well, it's September and you need somebody to do it. I think that fits AJ Joe more. Mm-hmm. I did. I did want to say too, you know, for anyone that doesn't think Roman can work, watch, watch that match from Monday night with Finn Balor. It was a fantastic television match. The and only person who can throw a worked punch as good as Roman Reigns is Brie Bella. <laughs> who may have actually shoot punch. I was just going to say, she's probably connecting half the time. <laughs> Dude. I mean, like, did you see that? That was yeah. one of the great punches in the history of this industry. <laughs> Brie Bella, who would have she's, thought? I mean, she, I, I mean, did she potato it? Yeah, I think so. He probably don't you think he probably told her like, yeah, yeah, I mean, go maybe, ahead and hit me, make it look. Hey, good. I mean, hey, we, we we talked about it on the post show for SummerSlam. They worked a very Memphis style match, Brian and Miz, and this is kind of a very Memphis style feud overall. And oh, by the way a story that is not getting nearly enough pub over the last 40 hours is Daniel Bryan's clearly re-signed with the WWE. Because of his advertised matches? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're 
they're not okay yeah anything can happen what they're not booking this mixed tag for hell in a cell and this one-on-one match at the australia show where the winner i guess is the number one cont- new number one contender mm-hmm. if dana bryan hasn't resigned so he's resigned i think so <laughs> or he's at least agreed verbally i mean i mean they're not that would be i mean look i i kind of explain the charlotte thing for nobody's perspective even though maybe i don't agree with it i mean that would be i mean if he hasn't resigned that that's insanity or they're at least pretty confident from their conversations he's going to and his lawyers well, and he said it too. he said he's not i mean you maybe the deal isn't i mean we were we got what a week still till september 1st mm-hmm. i mean they might still be working out some of the particulars, but it's that they obviously have some sort of um, agreement in place because they're you're not setting those matches if if he's not staying. Yeah. So yeah, no, I I was going to also mention too in that match on Monday with Finn and Roman. One of the things I really noticed during the match that I I liked a lot, and this is just like a small thing, but it bugs me with a lot of guys and ladies in the ring, is that neither of the guys when the ref counted especially all the near falls they did in that match. Neither of them stare down the referee. Don't you hate that in a wrestling match? Yes, that's a problem. The, the, it, it is very obvious sometimes when, when a guy is going to kick out because you can see them looking at the referee. Yes. Yeah. Both of them on Monday, if you go back and watch the match, they both kicked out based on the cadence of the count. Neither of them were looking at the referee. And I, to me, I love that kind of thing when they can actually yes. not stare. Wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Dolph Ziggler's a stare. Oh Yeah. Yeah. So I noticed that right away on Monday. It was just, it really stood out to me a lot. Yeah, it was a good, it was a really good match. And, you know, I mean, you could argue, eh, should Finn have got it? The, I, I thought maybe Finn would be a pay-per-view opponent, but yeah, mm-hmm. eh, I don't know from their perspective, you know, when they've got this idea with Braun and they've reformed the shield, I think that, I think Finn's just a TV opponent. You it, know? I mean, it was and a perfect all, match to do with the hardcores there, SummerSlam. And for all the people who want to poo-poo what they've done with Finn, I mean, guy main events ha- is in a lot of TV main events. He could be doing a lot worse. He could be Ty Dillinger. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I am all in, so to speak, for a Seth Rollins-Finn Balor IC title feud. Whenever that could happen would be great. Yeah. So. Um, I thought SmackDown had more... Far more newsworthy things than Raw this week. I want to go back to SmackDown, if you will. Okay, go ahead. Um, you know, the Charlotte Becky thing has been the dominant topic on Twitter.com, obviously. Daniel Bryan has re-signed, apparently. And we have new tag champs, the New Day. Um, kind of auspicious circumstances, though. I know, you know, anyone who's listened to this show knows I've been pretty critical of the Bludgeon Brothers as tag team champions. You'd like to think and hope that this switch was something planned and not just dictated by injury. Poor Luke Harper. <laughs> like, what's what's he gonna do for the next? Ah, uh, that is a months? question in my notes. What? Where does this leave Harper? Because I'll get to this in a moment. It's the babyface side they're short on on SmackDown, not the heel side. And I don't really know where Luke Harper fits in, and that's too bad. And Eric Rowan, who's a guy I've, maybe I've been too critical of in the past deserves a shit ton of credit for going out there and working a match. Oh yeah. Despite being clearly injured. I'm I'm almost certain though that this title change came because of the injury, don't you think? Otherwise they would have done it at SummerSlam, I feel like. Um I feel that maybe they thought that it would get lost in the shuffle at SummerSlam and they wanted to do it at because let's look at it. They did a DQ finish. So they obviously were doing a rematch regardless. Mm -hmm. Um I wonder if maybe they were going to do it at Hell in a Cell or something. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I I'm, I don't think that they were going to do it Tuesday night initially. That, that probably was dictated by injury Yeah. because uh, they took the title off them. But, you know, New Day, great tag team. Maybe yep. the best in the company history. Um, I'm looking at the show notes here, Kyle. I'm going to have to throw this out here. Peyton Royce. Oh, oh, how oh how coincidental is that? <laughs> Peyton Royce getting the big victory over Naomi. Do you think that that is timely? Yeah. <laughs> it says it all right there. I mean, look, maybe I'm being cynical, but were the Iconics really getting pushed two no. weeks ago? I mean, come on. Their part- was not going over well. Unfortunately, Peyton. because I like them both, but yeah, Peyton in particular. I mean, look, I, I think they should be pushed as a new act. 
Okay, but uh, you know, somebody tweeted, "I'm all here for the Meltzer spiting Peyton Rice push." <laughs> that I mean, I think it's pretty clear. It should, should be. Should, should, should they? Should the Iconics cut a Hulk Hogan World War Three ninety five? The Observer over, live on the air. This is what we call a rag sheet, sister. <laughs> That would be fantastic. You know, I, I would laugh quite hard. Um, yeah. And to be fair, Meltzer always said he laughed at that pay-per-view. Can you imagine yeah. if you're Dave Meltzer <laughs> watching that pay-per-view in 95? Can, said- Can you imagine if they burned a Top Rope Nation shirt live on the air? Well, that would be extreme heel heat. This, this Kyle Ross asshole. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think the company's going to do it. Hell, I just try to make sense of their Charlotte push. Uh, I'm the last guy they should be mad at. No, they should um, be signing you. Put yeah. you in the writer's room, Kyle. Yeah. Um. One... You know, you, you mentioned Luke Harper. Where does this leave him? And th- there's a note here that does not have me exactly um, jumping for joy at his prospects. And that's with all this. So um, I don't know if you saw this note. I, I can't remember where I saw it. But um, after the pre-show, when Almas and Vega went over, there was like this note, uh, Almas in line for big push. And I'm like, okay, I guess that makes sense. But then I'm thinking, I'm like, Doing what? You know, and, and I love uh, Andrade Cien almost. You know that. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you look at SmackDown, okay, their two top baby faces are obviously AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan, and Jeff Hardy's the third. Who's number four? Hmm. <laughs> the is new day there as a group? I mean, I guess yeah. it's, Ru- it's Rusev, actually. It's Rusev. And that's who almost is feuding with. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, that's great because. The reason I bring this up is because it was a little bit eye-rolling. They did the 50-50 thing with Rusev getting the win on, yeah. on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. They basically just did, they did with Rusev Day. They did the match over. But I'm thinking, I'm like, you know, okay, people are saying, oh, we hate 50-50. But what else is, where does Almas go if he pivots away from Rusev? Like, what do you have to do? Like, and that's the problem with, you know, when you have a brand split, sometimes there's just not enough options. And I guess, you know, I mean, do, do I think Almas eventually wins this feud? Yes, I do. But I just think, you know, like, eh, it's a, all right, he won once, that feud's over, onward and upward for Andrade Cien Almas. To what? I just don't think they, you know, and that's the issue with, you know, the low light of smack. That was, you know, the United States of Nakamura or Nak America or whatever that, that was. I mean... Does that last longer than Mex America? <laughs> that was bad. It, you know, um, but it's the same thing with like Hardy, Orton, and Nakamura all being tied together. Yeah. What do they do uh, otherwise? Because you've got the top four right now, AJ and Joe, Brian and Miz tied up. There's just not a lot of other options for these guys except to just kind of feud in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I could see almost working a few with like a Jeff Hardy. Out of that group, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, the bottom line is this: Rey Mysterio can't get here soon enough. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you know, Ray has always kind of been. I it, this is weird, but like he's always been like a SmackDown guy. I think mm-hmm. so. I, I, you know, when Ray, you know, who is rumored to be, and it's no secret, is is probably coming in um, pretty soon. I, I think he needs to be on SmackDown because they they just need more baby. They desperately need more baby faces. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think next month. That was last I heard, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there you go. I mean, you stretch this Rusev Almas thing out another month, and then, you know, I think Almas Ray makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. For sure. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else from Raw and SmackDown you want to hit before we take it home, Kyle? Um, a couple other items we had here about yeah, Corbin the, the and Ambrose. Steph, yeah, the Ronda Steph angle. Um, you know, leading to Kurt Angle getting the quote vacation. The, you know, people are like, oh, what's this all about? And I guess the rumor is that Kurt's training for a full time return. Mm-hmm. I saw that too. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know if I want to see Kurt wrestle full time yet. No, no. Whatever. Um, but, you know, you're going to have Corbin as the old heel authority figure. And people maybe roll their eyes at that, but it kind of makes sense because you have a lot of babyface champions now on Raw. And so I assume that this is going to kind of set the stage for Hell in a Cell booking with mm-hmm. Corbin. You know, I, I thought maybe Rousey was going to sit out the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. But I would assume they're doing a rematch with her and Alexa based on, you know, Alexa was very much shoehorned into that whole thing. Like, 
she was standing there when the suspension was announced. Yeah. So I can see that. And, you know, it's funny. We talk about these baby faces being put in good positions or not being put in good positions. <laughs> what makes it frustrating with either Roman or Charlotte is how smart they are with Rousey. That's true. <laughs> Booked perfectly so far. Her promo was just another piece of clever booking. It makes her come across as likable when they just, even if it's like not something she would normally do, just having her say something like, oh, you know, she just talks individually to all the other fellow baby faces mm-hmm. in the women's division. Oh, Sasha Bailey, you know, I couldn't be up here if it wasn't for that great match you guys had three years ago. That endears her to the people that are, could potentially reject her. Yeah. That's just clever booking. That's someone thinking. Mm-hmm. Caters to the smarks. Yeah, which you shouldn't always do, but I think it's if if you want to, if you're going to be fighting these fan reactions, do it smart. Yeah, don't be stubborn. Yeah, and yeah, Ambrose. What did you think of him? Kind of wrestled a little differently, and I think I liked it. No, no, no bounce back clothesline. Oh God, I hated that. <laughs> you know, I hated that. Yeah, that's why I brought it up. <laughs> yeah. I am glad he's dropped that so far. No, I think everything about him is is more believable, and it's it's all a preview of the heel Ambrose we're about to get. I think. Well, more I, serious. I, well, I don't think we're getting it for a while. Well, a now, yeah, yeah, you're right. Now with the shield reformed, you know, uh, Justin was the one. You know, I think it was on the preview show who brought this up that if you don't turn him right away, you got to shelve that thing for a few months. And I think clearly Monday's an indication that they're sh- they they're shelving it for a few months. There will be no imminent heel turn yeah, from D. I would I would go back actually to an earlier discussion we had with the Brett Owen feud, which basically began in a big way at Survivor Series ninety three. I take the shield thing up to the Survivor Series, have them in a match and have Ambrose turn in a Survivor Series match. Wow. Be a good setting. Okay. Uh might be too early. I don't know. We'll see. Well I I, I think they need to keep going here. Three mo- more than three months. Yeah, well, we'll let it play. I, I guess it's one of those things that, okay, if the Shield Act is getting stale, I think once you do it, once the Shield Braun thing is done. Yeah. I think, however, whatever. Bare minimum, you take it through Survivor Series. And it just seems like with the team aspect of that event, it would yeah. be a good opportunity. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, NXT tape. The last thing I think we should end on is NXT tapings. I think. Just wrapped up a little bit ago. The I've big not vi- seen anything. Okay. Uh, if you, if people don't like spoilers, turn it off right now if you don't want to hear spoilers, people. The three big things were, um, well, what, what I see on my t- timeline is, man, do people not like this Johnny Gargano booking? They're making him like this hard to root for babyface. Our good friend Liam O'Rourke brought this up after Takeover. That WWE sometimes just doesn't seem to know how to book baby faces. I feel that's the theme of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're making Gargano unlikable. <laughs> and they're they're not doing a heel turn. I'm convinced that they're just they're going back to the thing they did last year where he needs to be go back to being Johnny freaking wrestling as he was doing. But people are chanting Johnny failure at him reportedly tonight at the tapings. Oh god. Like Velveteen Dream. There's a segment where he calls him Johnny Failure and the crowd picked up. That's not good. No. In my opinion, because, you know, he's not going to be the assailant of Aleister Black. That's too obvious. That That's something you give to a new person, I think. Yeah. Or someone who's fleeting. Johnny Gargano should not be that person. This comes back to a point I made on the, the SummerSlam yeah. post show about, and when we started talking about TakeOver, and I mentioned, I think the big scare here is that you wait too long to put the belt on Gargano. And maybe they already have then, judging by the taping. Because I always go back to that. I, know, yep. I mentioned it Sunday night, the, the mid-2000s Samoa Joe and TNA. When they waited, 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 waited way too long. And Gargano probably should have won the title by now. Looking back. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, we talked about that. I, I, I raised a lot of flags that the way that that Gargano Champa match was worked in New Orleans, and that there's kind of been a law of diminishing returns since then, maybe that should have just been one and done, and they should have just had Johnny chase all this. So I said, yeah, um, the only, other, I no, mean, as much as people like that feud, but um, the only other stuff that was kind of there, um, on a positive note, my timeline was very excited. It seemed very much that they're teasing 
um, a potential Cassius Ono Matt Riddle feud. Mm, Ono kind of teased a heel turn where he said he's kind of sick of being a stepping stone and whoever the next guy who walks into this place with all this buzzes, he's going after him. Um, you know, people who followed these guys know these guys had some real bangers a couple of years ago in Evolve. So that would be a hell of a match to do. And I think it would be a great um, first takeover match, perhaps, for Matt Riddle. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. And then um, they've continued Ricochet feuding with Undisputed Era. There was a couple, uh, they started out with a tag match. Um, Ricochet and Pete Dunne teamed up against it was Cole and O'Reilly I think or Cole and Strong it, it wasn't O'Reilly and Strong it was not a tag title match it was Cole and and either O'Reilly or Strong I know and undisputed one hopefully you've turned off by now but um it then built at the end of the last match of the tapings was a winner take all North American title versus UK title Ricochet and Pete Dunn and I'm like really they're gonna have one guy hold the titles, and guess what? Schmoss finish. Yeah, Schmoss finish. So, yeah. 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 Sorry. And um, Keith Lee got involved in this post-match I'm reading. Uh, Danny Birch, Oni Lorkin. So th- there's a lot of things, I think, if you're looking at the next TakeOver and War Games, they got a lot of guys, you know, that they're kind of injecting into that feud against Undisputed Era. Mm-hmm. So. Nice. Yeah, so that that is it. It didn't seem like they, they didn't have a ton of hints for takeover. Yeah, uh, but obviously it's still early. I mean, the last one just ended. Yeah, what are they doing? Three weeks of TV tapings. Three or yeah, three or four. I, I can't remember. I think it's three. So yeah, so obviously you know we're gonna stop two months after this. So we All shall right. see. All right, Kyle. Well, good discussion tonight. I really enjoyed the Charlotte Becky back and forth. I I thought about this too long. I you know. Hopefully I, I did it. I, I had a lot to get lot to get out there. I I wasn't even doing my own work on Wednesday morning. I was feverishly taking notes as I thought about it. Because I just it was inescapable all this discussion on my Twitter feed. People were going crazy. And I'm like, oh, yeah. all right, let me think about this. Definitely been the hot topic this week. So very timely. Um so another thing, another as far as a topic goes, uh those of you that are supporting us on Patreon, which again, we thank you. Throw out a suggestion to us, either on Twitter, on the Patreon message board. Let us know. What's the next show you want to see us review on Top Rope Nation Classics? It'll be the third edition. That's exclusively for Patreon supporters. Anything from the past, throw throw some ideas out there. We'll put a poll up on Twitter. I'll have another one, one of those coming your way very soon. Uh, like do I get to vote? Because I actually was going to privately share with you an idea I had. Oh, you do? That'll be timely. Okay, tell me I off. Could, I could, oh, okay. I was gonna say I could say it right now, but then if people like it, we're gonna be forced to do it. <laughs> I think I think it would. I think it's a logical choice. Okay, throw it, throw it to me off air, and then after we get some suggestions from from our patrons, I'll see if any of them mention it. But uh, I'll, I'll definitely include it in the poll, Kyle, or we could do both of them. So I did mention at the top of the show, Justin is gone this week. Hopefully, he, I believe he'll be ready to record episode seventy-two next week. Kyle is gonna have a busy week next week, but. Hopefully, we can persuade him to join us. If not, it'll be just myself and Justin with uh, episode 72 next Thursday. So if you want to join us live like we've been live tonight on YouTube for Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash Nation. And of course, as always, subscribe, rate us on YouTube, um, subscribe and rate us on iTunes and wherever podcasts are found. So with that... I am Ryan Dross. You can find me at Historical Ryan. He is Kyle Ross at TRP Kyle. And we are at Top Rope Nation. <laughs> <laughs>